I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Gabby Moley, CEO of Next Move Group, and our guest today is William Corbin. William is the Economic Development Director of the city of Norcross, Georgia. William, welcome to our show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell the folks about your community and just some of your recent successes in Norcross. So the city of Norcross, we are a, we're a suburb of metropolitan Atlanta, about 25, 30 minutes uh, northeast of Atlanta proper. And we're about, you know, pretty small. But when you think about small, we're six square miles, we have a population of about 17,000. However, you really wouldn't know that because in metro Atlanta, it's pretty built out. So, you know, 17,000 people here is, say, you know, different than 17,000 people, you know, in a, you know, in a different metro area that maybe not as, as populated. So, you know, we, we got a pretty good household median income. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the technical things and then I'll get into fun stuff. But, you know, 17,000 folks, $58,000 median household income. Um, that has increased about almost 44% in the last three years or so. So we're growing. You know, we are, like I said, we're closely, we're pretty close to the Atlanta airport, which, you know, I don't know if you knew, fun fact is Atlanta is about, I think, two hours or so from about 90% of the United States. So um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So connectivity, (laughs) connectivity is huge. We have what, one, two, I think four major roads, you know, two highways and two, two major arterials that bisect our, our city. So we've got great connectivity, which is good for you know, what I do, which is good for economic development. And we've got a lot of cool and interesting uh, projects going on. But, but before I get into any of that, you know, I will say we have a very diverse population as well. And everyone says that, but it's actually true for Norcross. We've got a, I think a diversity index of over 91, which is really good. And I can tell you the, the race and ethnicity, I'll break it down really quick. It's about 19% uh, African-American, 19% white, about 11% Asian about 46, give or take, percent Hispanic or Latino. So we are very, 
very diverse when you look at the numbers uh, in and of itself. And uh, a lot of companies do want that. And a lot of, um, you know, families and households appreciate that too. So we got a lot going for us here, you know, in the Metro Atlanta region. So that's just a little bit, you know, about us. And also I would be remiss to mention that, you know, a couple of our major industries, of course, if you're familiar with Metro Atlanta, logistics and distribution is pretty big here. Uh, a lot of warehousing, a lot of those types of properties, uh, as well as the professional and business services type of properties. So, um, you know, we've got a good, I would say, diverse, you know, mix of mix of people and businesses. Awesome. Love that. I mean, I'm from New Orleans, so I understand the importance of diversity and how, you know, mm-hmm. it makes the place even better. So I totally get that. So what are kind of the top one or two things that make Norcross the place to be? Well, I think the first thing, and this is, you know, I, I didn't do this, but Norcross, uh, you know, proximity to the big city, right? You know, that's very important when it comes to economic development, when it comes to businesses, when it comes to industry. And I mentioned it before, but we have access and connectivity to that area. The other big thing I would say is the local quality of life. And what do I mean by that? If you're following, and, and this is true for Metro Atlanta, for Gwinnett County, which we're in, Norcross is in Gwinnett County, which is has been one of the fastest growing counties in the nation for, for some time now, particularly in the 90s and the 2000s, early 2000s. I like to call this the renaissance of the American small city. If you've noticed, a lot of our small cities, particularly in the metro Atlanta region, particularly in Gwinnett County, have been doing a lot of redevelopment. You know, gone are the days where we're going to go, let's always go down to to Atlanta or wherever the major city is in your region. We're trying to, you know, create pockets of quality of place. And I think that Norcross and along with the other sister cities in the area have worked really hard to develop their own quality of life and quality of place. So I think those are the two things that really make us, you know, kind of the place to be. We've got so many different new things that you can do in and around the city. And so for, from that perspective, I think it's unbeatable. You've got the, the, the mix of suburbs with the, you know, proximity to the city. And so I think those two, that's why I moved into this area, actually. I definitely get that. I mean, I say I live in New Orleans, but really I live in Metairie, which is basically a suburb outside of New Orleans. So Mm, mm -hmm. That's on the other side of the lake, right? So the North Shore, really, with Mandeville Mm -hmm. and Covington, that's kind of on the other side of the lake. And so Metairie is, you know, it's just through the interstate that you can pop on over. It's probably about 10, 15 minute drive, which is. I know everything in New Orleans is a lot closer than other cities. <laughs> because when you tell someone from here uh-huh. that you know you have to drive 30, 40 minutes to get to their destination, that's a far, far drive for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I, I went to a wedding several years ago there and someone was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm staying in Metairie. And I was like, the person that whose wedding it was was saying, um, you may want to come on. It's close, but it's not where you want to be. We were in the French Quarter, so <laughs> exactly. they, they didn't realize that until they, they got there. So. <laughs> Right. Well, I like it. You know, I like to escape a little bit. You know, I get to if I want to go to the city. I can. It's really quick. I can pop over there. But, you know, if mm-hmm. I just want to stay where it's nice and a little more quiet, I can stay here. That's um, Norcross. That is Norcross. Yes. <laughs> can you elaborate on you know, some of the recent successes that you've had in Norcross? Of course. You know, we've got a lot of, you know, recent and ongoing developments. In fact, we've got over a thousand units of residential in some form of construction or recently completed and probably over about 300 million of investment throughout the city. So the metro Atlanta area, particularly the Norcrest area, is really, really growing, you know, so I could elaborate on that. 
but nobody wants to hear all that because there's development going on everywhere. But I will tell you, there's a lot of good development happening in and around Norcross. So if you're a business person or if you're, you know, you're looking for a place to move or, you know, for your family or whatnot, this is the place to be. I would say the real success is, and this, you could probably relate this to any city or area, creating a business development manager position. We were able to do that under my tenure here. It was I came in, I was the only person in the department. There was a contract position, but we made another position, a full-time business development manager to connect and to communicate better with the business community. So that's really important. That's an important part of what we do. In addition to the, you know, the actual construction and development side, we've got the business relationship side, the BRE, the business recruitment, uh, retention and expansion side. So I think those two things, you know, we got a lot of development going on. They have, you know, another success internally is that position, you know, to really fill out what I would like to do and do the business development part of the job better than I've been able to do by myself. And I think the last thing, another recent success is the creation of a citywide development authority. In Georgia, of course, has limitations on what we can do in terms of buying and selling land. So, of course, a development authority is one of those tools to help you with that. Uh, we only had a downtown development authority prior you know, to me coming here and we were able to, to counsel, to mayor and council's credit, institute a citywide development authority to help with redevelopment projects all throughout the city. So I think um, between you know, those recent and ongoing developments, we're seeing a lot of success in residential and you know, commercial and you know, retail and restaurant, and you know, internally with a you know, new position and new board to help with our redevelopment efforts. That's really great. Love to hear that. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. Let's transition a little bit. You know, like myself, many of our listeners kind of fell into the field of economic development. So, you know, take us back and tell us how you discovered and kind of stumbled into this world of economic development. Sure, sure. So I was a political science major in college. I went to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was also a journalism minor. So I was trying to figure out what to do. And and, in my undergrad, a lot of people, you know, they go to go to law school, you go to grad school, you do something else. And I just, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I actually, I, I actually, you know, worked for a couple of years and then tried to get into something. And then I realized, gosh, you know, probably would be easier with another degree maybe. And so I went ahead and got my master in public administration from Georgia State University at the Andrew Young School of Policy. And 
One of uh, the things with the program is you have to, the requirements is you have to have at least one internship. And so I was there in 2000, and I'm going to date myself here. I was there in 2008 and 2009, and I interned at the Gwinnett, Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce, so the, the local county here, the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce for a summer. And I also interned at the DeKalb Office of Economic Development. So DeKalb is a neighboring county of Gwinnett here in the metro Atlanta area. And so I kind of got the experience of economic development. And actually, my internship was actually in the research department at the Gwinnett Chamber. And so I I collected data and statistics for their EDO. You may be familiar or heard of it as Partnership Gwinnett. It's part of the chamber. And so I was a project associate there. And uh, that's kind of how I started. I started doing research and doing and looking at spreadsheets and doing labor and wage, I wouldn't say analysis, but data collection, right? And so that's how I kind of got started. Then at DeKalb, it was more of a project manager in the life sciences industry because, you know, they have Emory University in DeKalb County and they got a lot of, you know, CDCs in DeKalb and there's a lot of life sciences there. So I did that. So that was more of a project management type of thing, more, you know, as opposed to research. And that's how I fell into it. And I really loved it, you know, um, and that's, I bet you, I don't know, half of the population probably fell into their career through some kind of internship or some kind of touch point mm-hmm. with it. Uh, but that was mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was Especially mine. in this industry. I, I think, you know, just listening to many of the podcasts that, you know, Chad has done in the past and uh, a lot of the guests, I feel like they, you know, weren't really sure majored in some kind of communications in college and then kind mm-hmm. of went on and then got an internship somewhere. And then that's kind of how it happened. And yeah. So, I mean, me, it was a little different. You know, I worked in, um, I actually worked in TV media for, a few years before I got okay. into economic development. Yeah. So totally different world with TV advertising and digital advertising and all that kind of stuff. It was mm. definitely eye-opening whenever it's a totally different experience now when I watch TV. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got all the ads, but that's, I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> all right. So what kind of, what do you love about your job now? I mean, you, you started out with you know, interning at a chamber and everything, and you kind of worked your way into this position. What do you love about this job right now? I love the strategic planning side of the job. You know, I love kind of speaking uh, with developers and investors um, and business persons. You know, I like strategizing. I I really like the intersection of policy and politics. You know, I don't want to be a politician, but I like being around and in in this world. You know, and, and when I said, you know, strategic planning, I think economic development is more and more so now, particularly when you talk about these smaller you know, when you talk about cities, you know, you're talking a lot about quality of life and quality of place. And you'll hear me talking a lot about that. And that goes along with, you know, redevelopment and commercial uh, and residential development. And so I really have enjoyed the kind of, you know, just looking at things and analyzing how do we, how do we direct development in the most responsible way? I think economic development will happen regardless of if I or the professional is here or not. But I think that you, you, we can do a much better job when you have an engaged economic development professional working with leadership to, to implement, you know, a community's plan. So, and I, I learned that from the very beginning, you know, as I mentioned, um, I don't think I went over this quite yet, but I, I started off in consulting. So, you know, and we'll, I'll, I'll um, you know, elaborate on that a little bit more later, maybe, but, uh, but the strategic planning part of it is really really uh that's what i get out of bed for you know i get up every day and i you can do one thing uh a lot of different ways you can do you can accomplish something in a variety of different ways and so that's what i love about 
this job, there's no one right answer. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. Hello everyone, Gabby Molise here to highlight this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week we're going to spotlight the Dickinson County Kansas Economic Development Corporation as they are seeking a new Executive Director. Dickinson County, Kansas is centrally located, vibrant, and growing. This entrepreneurial hub is home to many locally grown businesses that span the manufacturing, agriculture, healthcare, and service industries. Dickinson is known as the heartland of America and is known for strong family values, hard work, patriotism, strong communities, and natural beauty. So the role of the executive director is to ensure that the Dickinson County Economic Development Corporation's vision, mission, goals, objectives, and strategies are enacted. To learn more, visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Dickinson or contact Brittany McCoy with The Next Move Group with any questions. Well, you mentioned mm-hmm. consulting. You know, what other positions have you had before becoming the City of Norco's Economic Development Director? Um, so instead of going backwards, I'm going to go from the beginning, sort of. And so I mentioned, <laughs> yeah, um, I went to, like I said, I went to undergrad, I got my master's and this was in, I graduated in December of 2009. Do you remember what was going on then? Well, I- <laughs> a lot of bad, a lot of bad things. Uh, okay, yes, yes, that's very true. A lot of bad things. Yes. <laughs> great recession, right? Recession, exactly. Yeah. And it was impossible. Um, you know, when I graduated, it was very difficult to get a job. And if, as you know, uh, in the world of economic development, there's usually one professional really for, per community. I'm mm-hmm. trying to change that. But usually, especially in a city, there's only one professional. So I, I just really had a hard time getting a, a, a job in the field. And I ended up getting a a consulting position or well as a position in a consulting firm mm-hmm. uh, market street services you all may be familiar you may have heard of them they do strategies and three to five year plans regarding economic development for communities so i was there uh started in january of 2010 right out of i graduated in december and i started and i was there for a year and a half and i've always wanted to be a practitioner so that's why i took an opportunity in Miami-Dade County, Florida, at the Beacon Council. And they are Miami's you know, economic development organization. They're the EDO there. So I was um, in a research position uh, in terms of they were going through their whole strategic planning process. And so they needed someone to help liaise with the consultant that they hired. So I was brought on because I had experience consulting, I guess, for a year contract. It turned into three years. You know, After the year, I became a full-time employee there in the research and strategic planning department. So I guess that's where I got my love for, or my love for research and strategic planning kind of continued to blossom. So that was, I was there from 2011 to 2014. And then in 2014, I um, was able to return to the Metro Atlanta area at the city of Duluth. And so I was at the city of Duluth as a, um, uh, what was my position there? My position was economic development specialist. So I they were going through a growth phase themselves. And Duluth is just one city north of Norcross. So I'll give you that context there. So I was there for 2014 to 2018. I'm an economic development specialist. I was working with the manager or director there. And then an opportunity opened up in Clayton County, which is about, it's about an hour south of this area here where we're at now, Norcross Duluth. So that commute was interesting. I only stayed there for a year, but you know, it was an opportunity for growth. So I was at Clayton County, which is by the Atlanta airport, as I mentioned before, 
for about a year from 2018 to 19 as a, um, a senior business development manager. And then this opportunity opened up in 2019, November of 2019. So my old, my former city manager, actually, believe it or not, mm-hmm. called me and said, hey, I know you've only been at your current position for, you know, a year or so less than a year, but there's a great career opportunity. And I learned, and this is a whole nother story and I won't go into it, but I've learned not, I learned always to listen. And so, cause I had, I had missed an opportunity in, uh, in the, uh, several, several years ago. And I said, I won't do that again. So I always listen. And um, that's what brought me back up here. So I've been up here since up here, I say in the uh, city of Norcross since November of 2019. So what, four or five months before the pandemic. So that was an, another interesting yes. experience, <laughs> but that's kind of my, you know, how my, my background and how that, how I came to be where I am now as, you know, Director of Economic Development um, for the City of Norcross. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, besides all that, so flashback to when you were 10 years old. I mean, what did you want to be when you grew up? Was it your dream to, you know, basically help the community? Some people say that, or, you know, what did you mm. want to be a fireman? Or did you want, <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> Didn't want to be a fireman, but, I, you know, I've always been more of a social science person compared to, say, physical or life science or any other subject. I think my mom probably wanted me to be a be an attorney. You know, oh no, I think it was a doctor. It might have been a doctor. <laughs> my mom's side of the family, uh, my mom is a first generation. So you find a lot of a lot of times a first generation is like, oh, you're gonna be a doctor, you're gonna be a lawyer. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that's the case in not, you know, a lot of a lot of families, but um, it's particularly funny. And but I was uh, I never really wanted to do that. I don't even know what I wanted to be. I did know that I wanted to be, I had a desire for for I always had a desire for politics. I thought it was politics, but then I realized, ooh, I didn't want to do politics. I like policy. I like creating things. I like creating, you know, and helping people in their daily lives. And so, you know, back in when I was an undergrad, there wasn't any, well, we're talking about when I was 10. But anyway, when I was an <laughs> undergrad, there really wasn't, and when I was 10 too, there really wasn't the field of economic development really wasn't what it is now. You know, they didn't have any classes in undergrad. So again, my point is that I didn't know about all that, but I knew I wanted to help people in their everyday lives. How? Didn't know. But, um, but yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, who was the biggest influence on your career? The biggest influence is with one of my first bosses or supervisors, Dr. Yap Donath. He's a senior VP right now of uh, research and strategic planning at the Beacon Council in Miami-Dade County. Uh, he showed me how to work smart and not hard, right? He showed me that you don't have to be also a stereotypical boss. I'm a big observer of people. Just seeing how he worked and how he was able to get things done without, you know, using a heavy hand and really being a people person. And I've tried to use that in, you know, in my career. You know, I tried to use that, you know, and put myself in the other shoe and remember what it was like when I was an employee, I mean, we all have bosses, but you know, when I, when I didn't have, you know, supervisory role. So definitely. I think, I think, yeah, I think he was definitely one of the biggest influences on my career. Love that. Yeah. You got to work, work smarter, not harder. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, so a lot of, you know, the guests that we've had in the show, they have different, you know, daily habits that kind of make them successful. I mean, whether that be wake up really early or, you know, they, 
whether it's- Don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> don't wake up really early. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. But yes, sorry. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, William, that I made you wake up early to do, this, uh, <laughs> do the podcast today. <laughs> sorry, right. It's okay. I'll do it. That's okay. Well, uh, what are some of you know daily habits that made you successful that you found over the years? Well, um, as you probably can tell, uh, I don't take myself too seriously, I think, um, or others, honestly, you know, work is what I've learned. Work is not the most important thing in life. You know, when, 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 when someone dies, they don't say, oh, well, X, Y, Z was great at this and that and that. I mean, yeah, but that, you know, were you a good family person? You know, were you a good family man? Were you a good, a good person? You know? And so I have really, kind of pivoted more and that's not a daily habit but it's really a thought process and I try to keep that in mind as I'm moving through because I've realized the more you stress yourself out about work well the more you stress yourself out about work right um it's, you know so that's that's one of the things uh, another thing is I always I always say please and thank you and and why it, it's kind of grinds my gears it's one of one of one of my little pet peeves I guess is when people don't say please and thank you you know treating others how how I want to be treated I really try to proactively think of these things as I'm going through my work day every day, because, you know, people enjoy being around pleasant people. And I think that people do business with people they like. Uh, this has been proven in psychological studies. So I think that kind of those intangible things, it's not a, it's not a habit of, oh, I wake up at this time, I do this, I do that. I really try to, you know, think holistically and think bigger picture in my daily duties or in my in my daily life. Now, if you're talking about work, you know, I try to always keep, you know, I, I have, uh, I just got a whiteboard recently. I used to do this on sticky notes and paper and things of that nature, but I broke down and I bought a, I bought a whiteboard and, you know, just, I like to keep everything at a glance at all times, if that makes sense. And so that's what I do in my daily work and in just life in general, which is why I was saying, don't take myself too seriously. You know, what's the most important thing in life is family. And it's, it's, it's not work. And I think if you can keep that perspective that bleeds through in the rest of, you know, your, your life and in, in the workplace, that's just in my opinion, and it's been working for me. So hopefully it'll work for others. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, those are things that I definitely agree with. I mean, that's something that I'm also trying to do again, the habit of, you know, writing things down and writing down my goals for that day, you know, just so I can stare at them and <laughs> you know, constantly yes. be reminded of them. You know, it's, that's my priority mm -hmm. for the day is to, if any, anything else doesn't happen, you know, especially we can get bogged down with all the little details and tasks, but just to focus mm -hmm. on that one thing every day is definitely, you know, one of my 2022 goals, I would say. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, Goals are so important. I mean, you gotta, you have to, otherwise you're just kind of coming in and you're just doing kind of the same thing every day. Or you're just kind of coming in and you're clocking in, you're clocking out, whatever that might be. But I think if you have one or two goals, right. And you can kind of break them down, like you mentioned into, you can break them down into short, medium and long-term. But I think the most important thing about having those goals is having them visible mm -hmm. because if they're not visible, you're not seeing them. They're not in your, you know, they say repetition, repetition uh, equals success. You know, you become an expert by repetition. And so I'm going to make the analogy. If you have your goals out and in the open and they're repeated and you see them, your chances of actualizing those goals, I think are much higher. I mean, I think 90, I feel like 90% of, of life is mental. 
you know, and it, and then like 10% is like what you know, actually. So I'll just leave there, leave that there. You know, <laughs> definitely, definitely got to manifest it into the universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we, you know, we have a lot of young people who listen to this show that are up and comers in the industry. So with that, you know, everything that you just said, what's the best piece of advice that you received in the industry so far? The best piece of advice that I have received is one word. It's network, 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 network. You know, it's a people business. And I, th- I think that life is a people business. You can actually probably use that in any in any kind of in any field, in anything. You know, you've got to you've got to get out there, especially as a young person. You have to get out there and meet people and whether even if it's, oh, you know, well, it's it's, it's professional development. Hey, you kill two birds. You, you develop yourself professionally and you also make connections because you never know who you know, you might meet. So that's the best piece of advice. It's also a part B to that. The best piece of advice, part B, is someone is always watching. Somebody told me that. I don't know who told me that, but they were right. People are always observing and they're always watching you. And sometimes that person is a decision maker. And you always want to put your best foot forward, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. So preparation is key. I guess that's three. Networking, (laughs) awareness, and preparation. There's the three. That's my best piece of advice is I think if young people can keep those three things in mind, then, you know, you already you already have one half the battle right there. Um, Awesome. Well, as a young person in the industry, I will definitely take that advice. All right. As we wind down, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that we that you hadn't gotten a chance to? No, there's not anything that I'd like to share that's new, but I want to reiterate. Don't take yourself and the industry too seriously. And I think success will come if you keep that in mind. Far too many up and comers get kind of stressed out about, you know, who's noticing what, but, you know, as I mentioned before, someone is always watching. If you do a good job, you're going to get noticed. So I think that's the biggest thing to keep in mind, you know, to not get so down on, uh, on yourself because there's a lot of negativity in the world in these days, I think. And, you know, a lot of things going on from coronavirus to what, you know, a lot of people perceive as, you know, bad politics, et cetera. And so we're living in an interesting time. Um, but I think that keeping keeping a, a, a bigger perspective and just not taking yourself too seriously and, and, and understanding what the important things are in life. You know, like I said, the, my mentor, one of my mentors, the biggest influence in my career, you know, is that outlook. And I think if you can do that or you can kind of build on that, I think um, you're, you're headed in the right direction. All right. And uh, tell the listeners, you know, the best way to reach you. Um, the best way to reach me, if you really want to reach me, you could text me. 678-367-8974. I'm a millennial, so I won't answer my phone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to answer my phone if I can. But uh, contact me on my phone. Contact me on LinkedIn, William T. Corbin. I'm on LinkedIn. Or, uh, you know, hop on the Norcross website. I think we're listed on there somewhere. So. Looking forward to talking to anyone about um, opportunities or if you just want to talk about development in the field. I love talking. So call me. Awesome. Well, thank you, William. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you for having me.